Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank using the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sari Ibrahim. So some of the core principles we talk about when thinking like a bank include owning or, or owning or investing real estate, saving on taxes, having safe and predictable income, and others. And I wanted to touch on one subject today. It's a little bit a little bit of a twist from the other episodes we've done. It's pertaining to residential assisted living homes. And I have with us today a special guest. His name is Serge Lupescu. He is the owner and administrator of Legion Manor LLC. Uh, before that, he obtained his degree in nursing from Southwest Baptist University. Um, as he's also worked as a certified nurse assistant. And during this time, during this journey, he's came across a lot of, he's, he's learned that it's a very complex field and he's learned a lot about this. He's shared the material with this and even created a course called Legion Assisted Living Academy. So I'm really excited to have him on the show to talk about his expertise behind residential living assisted homes. Serge, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me on. This is a great introduction. Yeah, thank you. And, and just to kind of give a little bit of context for the audience, like the reason why I wanted to bring you on is like, it's because I have some experience in assisted living and it tends to be a, a pretty lucrative area to be in. It's a financially rewarding area. If you, if you know, understand the field and you, under, and you know it well, you could help a lot of people. And also it could be a very financially rewarding career. Before we jump into all of it, do you mind sharing some of your background with us? Yeah. So like you mentioned, uh, I started Legion Manor, which is my care home. Uh, it's there's a lot of like different variations of what people call assisted livings, residential assisted livings, care homes, group homes. They're all kind of intertwined. Uh, so I started mine in 2018, uh, January of 2018. So it's just been roughly over three years now that I've had my care home. I still have it. And overall, it's been a great experience. It's continuing to be a great experience. Uh, absolutely love doing it. In the beginning, it was a bit rough. Like I said, you know, learning the ropes, having to network, having to just go out and about, prospect, so on and so forth. That was pretty rough in the beginning uh, and definitely had my trials. Uh, and so finally, for anyone that's getting into business, as they know, it takes about a good three years to kind of stable, right? Mm -hmm. To get to a point where you're like, okay, I think I got a handle on this. That's kind of where I'm finally at. I feel like I definitely have gotten my handle on it. And so, yeah, I went to nursing school. I graduated in, at, in December of 2017 uh, from Southwest Baptist University. So I got my nursing degree from there. I did this back in Missouri. And I, as soon as I graduated, uh, I knew I just wanted to go into business for myself. And that's when I took the leap of faith and moved out here to Phoenix and started my care home. And so while I was in nursing school, I was working as a certified nurse and, uh, assistant. So that was kind of like my job that I was doing while I was going through nursing school. And it gave me a ton of experience. I was working in the ICU. Um, my plan wasn't actually to start a business by any means. Uh, it just definitely wasn't. I was going to stick to the path of just going to school, getting my nursing degree, and then eventually going and being a nurse anesthetist mm -hmm. and kind of sticking to that W2 secure route that a lot of people go down, right? And as I was working in the hospital in the ICU that I was working at, I would just, which is, I would advise a lot of young people to do this is like get into any, it doesn't have to be a hospital or anywhere really, but get in somewhere where there's a lot of older people with a lot more life experience and just mm -hmm. talk to them, get mm -hmm. an idea and a feel of where they're at in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And I started realizing pretty quickly that a lot of people are either capped off at where they're working mm -hmm. 
uh, meaning financially, uh, opportunity-wise, so on and so forth. And also realizing that their skills, uh, they just stopped learning, right? They stopped growing. They stopped developing other skills to really get them further in life. And when I realized that pretty, I, as I was going to nursing school, I was like, oh man, uh, what am I going to do once I graduate? Because I definitely don't want to be in those positions later on in life. So uh, I'm a huge man of faith. So God just put it on my heart to come out here and yeah, man, it's been a heck of a journey and I do not doubt it one bit. I don't ever look back and be like, oh, what if I would have stuck with my W-2 job? And a lot of people, like I've, I definitely got a lot of resistance when I decided to not go uh, work at the hospital. My family thought I was crazy. They're like, you just did all the schooling. Um, and you have literally, I had a job lined up already. I did all my interviews. Um, I had verbally accepted my job. And they just thought I was crazy for not taking the opportunity to go work in the hospital and kind of create that career there. And I didn't think I had a lot of faith in myself and a lot of faith in what God was putting on my heart. And you truly just have to follow that when you get to that point or that crossroad in life. So yeah, that's kind of my background on how I started everything and got into everything. And then, yeah. So after I think about a year, uh, it, ha it wasn't necessarily a year. It was probably like nine months into starting my business. I started realizing pretty quickly that there wasn't a lot of information um, out there for new care homeowners or new business owners in this industry. Uh, there was some information, but a lot of it was very vague. And mm -hmm. It just wasn't, it was a lot of fluff. And that was what inspired me to start my YouTube channel. Um, and then about a year at, uh about like another 10 or 11 months into my YouTube channel. That was when I created the Academy. And then from there, um, just continue to branch off from there. And now as of recently, I have started a uh, syndication company uh, with two of my partners. So that's kind of where I'm at with everything. Okay, man, you mentioned so many good things and I have so many questions for you. You've definitely got my attention yeah. and I'm ready to Go ask you a bunch of questions. So what, what made like, okay, so what gave you the idea even to begin with of the possibility of, of even owning your own residential assisted home? That's not, a, that's not a really a common thing, right? To think about. So what gave you that thought? It isn't. It isn't. Yeah. So my aunt actually does it in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, mm -hmm. That's where I was grown and raised. I was born in California, but was grown and raised there in Springfield, Missouri for 15 years. So I, I mean, I had like, it was there um, in the background, like my aunt that does it. So I was working one night, I, ha I was doing weekend option. That was like my, my shifts was weekend option. And so I'd work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was, I would always work with this other nurse that him and I just kind of vibed and got along really well and started talking about investing and real estate and so on and so forth. And one night he goes, man, like, what do you think about like residential assisted living? And I'm like, well, my aunt does it. And he's like, does it, how does she do with it? Is it like a good business? And I'm like, I'm guessing so she's got like 15 children. So like if it's supporting that big of a family, like I'm sure it's a, it's a decent business. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, well, why don't like, why don't you go and do that? You know? And so I did, I did call, like I called her up cause I'm, I was best friends with my cousin, obviously who that's his mom. And so I just got in touch with her and she was thinking of opening up a second location and she had gotten the property, but unfortunately she wasn't able to get it zoned. Uh, she kind of made a mistake there on the zoning aspect of it. 
And so she, I wasn't able to like actually manage that for her anymore. So at that point, I just knew, you know what, I'll just go start my own. So that's kind of how the idea came along. Okay. Now, can you give us an example, like just to break it down, what is a residential assisted living home? In simple terms, it's a non-medical care setting where there's different levels of care, including it can either be level one, level two, or level three, mm -hmm. which can also be considered supervisory, personal, or directed level of care. Uh, and like I said, it's non-medical. So you're not doing anything that you otherwise would be doing in the hospital. Uh, anything that has to do with like penetration, right? Needles, mm -hmm. uh, things of that, of those things of that sort. You can do like insulin shots and things like that. But as far as anything invasive, you will not be doing in the care homes. So yeah, that's, and yeah, that's essentially what uh, assisted living residential care homes are. So you're able to take people that uh, just need uh, help with activities of daily living, um, need medication management, uh, need possibly help feeding themselves or getting to the restroom. Uh, again, activities of daily living, uh, majority of them do need a lot of help with that, doing their laundry, feeding, food, so on and so forth. So you provide all these different amenities for them. Okay. And is it like, if somebody's starting off, could it be like, um, what's like the smaller end that you can start off with, a smaller structure? I recommend five beds, mm -hmm. uh, nothing less than that. People in most, and there's some states out there that you can get away with having to not be regulated if you only have three residents mm -hmm. and you're no longer required to be licensed, but anything mm -hmm. above five, you're required to be licensed in order right. to admit anybody into your home. Okay. And then you could do this in a, in a, a literally a residence, right? Like it could be a residential property, yeah. residential property. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I could see that like the differences in bed, it kind of reminds me of like apartment buildings, for example, if it's like four units in a lot of States, it could be like personally or primary. And then if it's five, then it goes into commercial and then you need like a separate like licensing for that. Absolutely. So I think it kind of reminds me of that. Some sort of connections between. Yeah. That. Like here in Arizona, if it's anything above 10 uh, at that point, it's considered commercial. So you have to go through commercial zoning, commercial licensing, so on and so forth. Okay. Now how do, okay. So like, what are, can you give us like an outline of the cost associated with starting, for example, five beds, small level, five beds um, from the cost of everything, not everything you would need, but like, you know, um, the approximate cost of doing so. Uh, if you're going to start with the five bed and you're not going to purchase the real estate and you're just going to lease the real estate on a three to five year term lease, mm -hmm. uh, you could probably get in uh, into the property all said and done, furnished, everything under 10K and just have the property ready to go. And then once you factor in payroll, um, referral fees, if you do end up paying referral fees, uh, also just supplies, if you need to buy supplies and families don't provide that right away, uh, things of that nature, you're looking at for a five bed to get up and going probably around 35 to 50K. Okay. And that, and that's me being like, that's someone that's knowing what they're doing um, because you have to factor in burn rate, uh, how long it's going to take you to fill those beds, uh, things of that nature. So you factor those in as well. So you essentially you put a poor from together for a five bed or a 10 bed and kind of see what your expenses would be uh, just to see what your burn rate would be on that. Uh, usually with like a five bed facility in like a 17 to 2100 square foot home, 
uh, if you're looking like at utilities and everything of that nature, you're probably spending with your lease and everything around 5k mm -hmm. just as your overhead, give or take. So, and then you factor that in and then payroll and everything. Uh, overall, once you kind of get your home filled up and everything, you're looking at about a 25 to 30% profit margin. Okay. And then what would be like five beds on an annual basis, um, approximate revenue for assuming all five were occupied all year, how much would you earn in revenue for that year? Approximately? In gross, you, in gross uh, and there's a lot of factors. So mm -hmm. in gross, you're most likely looking to bring in about 160 to 180, mm -hmm. sometimes even 200, if you really have an upscale home uh, in a really good area. Mm -hmm. And that's just for five beds. So if you're doing 10 beds, you're then, <coughs> sorry, uh, you're looking at doubling that, right? Um, and then you're also, you're also uh, got to factor in like how, what types of beds you have, if it's a private room versus a semi-private. So that will affect your rate that you'd be charging as well. So if you have all five private beds, you're going to be able to charge premium. And let's say all those five private beds have their own private bathrooms, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're charging even more. Does it make sense? So mm -hmm. you're, you're able to increase your premium as you provide more of these different amenities and things that you can do. So. Okay. And where do you get the referrals from? Like there's a lot of assisted living facilities out there, right? So how do you, right. how do you acquire those new clients? A lot of it is going to be you networking with not only rehabs and case managers and hospices and home healths, uh, those are going to be kind of your main people that you want to focus on. Don't focus on the big hospitals. Hospitals very rarely, usually they'll discharge them to a rehab before mm -hmm. they do send them off to like a center or mm -hmm. uh, an assisted living home, right? Just get them uh, strong again. So most like you know, you want to focus on the rehabs because that's where they're going to actually uh, get discharged most likely. So that's, mm -hmm. that's what I've done and it's been working great for me and placement agents as well. And how do, how do they pay? How does the patient's family pay for this type of care? All my families pay private pay. Okay. So all out of their own personal. So it's all private pay. Private pay, uh, okay. Now, yeah. Now in the state of Arizona, you, the families can apply for something called Altex, Arizona Long-Term Care Service. Mm -hmm. And that is where they can supplement depending on their level of care uh, and the daily rate that they offer per provider that you get contracted with, uh, they can supplement anywhere between $1,800 to $2,000 per month. And then the family can cover the difference. Okay. How about lo like private long-term care insurance? Does that help in a situation no. like this? No. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. If right, there's a distinction between those are, those are more, yeah, those are more for uh, skilled nursing facilities, also mm -hmm. known as SNPs. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where they charge the private insurances. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're, so, so kind of the timeline would be, or the sequence would be like somebody's in the hospital, they have some sort of condition illness or diagnosis. And then that goes to like, um, short-term or rehab. And then if after that, if they do better, then they go to assisted living or even sometimes home, if they do really like, is that kind of the sequence of it? Right. Correct. Yeah. So usually depending on where they're at, some of them will go home and then families will realize, Oh, well, we can't continue taking care of them. So they'll have them placed somewhere like my home or mm -hmm. a home similar to mine. Okay. 
Now let's talk about more about the fund aspect of it, of raising the capital. Let's say, for example, like I really want to do this. Like, I, you know, I want to get involved in this, but I don't have $50,000 in cash. What are some options on the table? Some options, it all just depends um, what you're comfortable with doing. Uh, some people, you know, they'll pull home equity line of credit if they need to. Uh, somebody will get a personal loan. You can get a personal loan easily for fifty to a hundred thousand, uh, as long as your credit score and the bank that you work with, you guys have a good relationship. Uh, that's what. And then other people, they'll try to. I mean, uh, they'll even try to get investors in. I don't think it's worth getting investors in at that uh, mm -hmm. amount of capital. It's not worth it because mm -hmm. you'd probably be giving up a good share of your equity uh, in your business and probably even cash flow every month. Mm -hmm. So. It, it really isn't worth bringing in investors on that price point, like I said. So that, that's usually what people do. Uh, you can get pretty creative. Some people will max out their credit cards or, you know, just try to fund it that way if they can. So, mm -hmm. sorry. Sure. But um, yeah, so, I mean, people, I, I personally just was very fortunate to be able to uh, get in. I didn't, I had just a small amount of money to invest. And so that I just, one creative way that I did it as residents came in, the way I would pay my placement, because I worked myself the first couple months, like I didn't have any employees. So I would just cover all those shifts. And I mean, it was gruesome and that's part of business, but um, until I was able to get myself uh, situated, but I, what I would do is uh, the resident would move in. You have two months uh, of the first, the resident's first first month's rent that you'd pay back to the referral placement agent. Mm -hmm. So that's how I was able to just kind of keep my business going um, and just pay those placement agents as the residents came in. And, you know, I would keep a portion that first month, I would pay the other portion and that portion that I would keep would just help me cover my expenses and what I needed to cover my overhead with. So, but yeah, that's, it's very tight in the beginning for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like any other business, of course, like you said, you know, assume two to three years of, of pretty much not making any money at all. Um, this, yeah. is, this is if you're actively owning it and actively running it. You mentioned something in the beginning of the episode about syndication. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. So syndication is very interesting and very fun, um, especially when you got the right team of people. Syndication is for the people that don't know what it is, is that uh, you get a pool of investors, right? Uh, you have your main general partners, which are the people finding the deals, structuring the deals, putting those together. And so for me and my team and my partners, what we do is we'll find the real estate that we want to essentially purchase that's already zoned, licensed in most cases as a residential assisted living. And so we'll find the deal. We'll go ahead, pull commercial loan on the deal because in most cases there's an existing business already in place. So the best way for us to fund it is through a commercial loan. And at that point, we go ahead and make sure that we find a qualified operator with at least a minimum of mm -hmm. uh, one year experience in the industry uh, who's looking to lease from us uh, at 1% of what we acquire the property for. So just to kind of keep some round numbers, we let's say we purchase a property at 600,000 the operator would be leasing it from us at $6,000. And so they would do that on a three to five year period, right? On a term lease. Mm -hmm. 
and so that guarantees not only us a secure tenant for the next hopefully five years if we can get that arrangement done and then not only that but investors money won't be tied up for a long period of time and so essentially from there what we'll do we'll we'll have to raise capital uh, from our investors for the 25% down payment of the commercial loan. We also put money in as well. So it may not be the full 25%. And so that is when the investors come in. And then that's essentially us creating a syndication of the investors that we have. Um, and usually we require most of our uh, investors to have a $50,000 uh, minimum investment because if it's a bigger property uh, or even a smaller deal, we don't want to essentially have these small bits of equity just going out to someone investing five, 10,000, 20,000. We kind of want to make sure we have a, a good even split amongst our investors. And so at that point, each investor, including ourselves, uh, will get monthly cash flow. So we do an equity split in the property for each of our investors, depending on how much they invest in. And they'll get a monthly cash flow paid out every quarter. And then we usually try to guarantee them anywhere between eight to 12% return cash on cash each year. Um, and then a 20% return uh, on a five-year basis. So when we either, we like to also do the lease option with our operators uh, where they can purchase it down the road. So, and then that would be our extra strategy for our investors and ourselves as well. So they, we try to guarantee them at least a 20% return on that end. Okay. So, yeah. I like how you've you positioned into this way right now in the syndication because um, it's something that is very, um, again, not known about, and it could be a great opportunity for people to invest passively. So let's say, for example, somebody's a full-time engineer or an architect, you know, they make $200,000 a year, you know, a good way to use some of those funds, you know, and our perspective too, as financial planners is invest in, in passive, in passive deals, you know, where you don't have to do anything, but put up the capital and then you would get, you know, as you stated, you would get some returns throughout the, the year or on a quarterly or monthly basis. And then you would exit that deal, but you don't have to do any of the work, correct? You would just invest correct. into the deal. And then um, others would do, you would leverage other people's time. They would leverage your money. And in exchange, you would arguably get a higher rate of return than investing in the stock market or other places, plus about risk, as far as risk. Um, I think historically assisted living facilities tend to be needed and the aging population is increasing over time. 10,000 people turn 65 every single day. So we're seeing an upward trend definitely of more people getting older, which would then correlate with a higher need of more assisted living facilities and nursing homes and other uh, types of uh, senior living facilities in the future. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So for the people wondering, like here in Phoenix, our population is bound to, it's on at the rate that it's growing, we are going to more than double in population by 2040. Uh, so right now we currently, just in the Phoenix area, like just the Phoenix area itself, uh, it's about 1.7 million people. But then you got the metro area, which mm -hmm. considers of another 3 point something million. So you got like a total of 4 million people uh, spread across the valley of Phoenix. Uh, and that's supposed to more than double. So you're going to have somewhere between 8 to 10 million people in the next 10 to 20 years wow. here in Phoenix alone. So our right now there's about 6,000 care homes like mm -hmm. myself in the Valley spread across the Valley. But like I just said, there's almost four point something million people 
uh, in total, and let's say uh, even 10% of that, right, or even uh, 15, 20% of that is people, retirees or elderly, which there's a lot of them here, we call them snowbirds. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's, that's roughly 1.5 million people, 2 million people, give or take, that will be needing care, uh, you know, and that's only going to increase in the near future. And so the supply versus demand there, uh, the, the supply won't be able to keep up with demand mm -hmm. as people continue to, especially the baby boomer generation. Mm -hmm. And people are also living longer as well. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, definitely. I, I do see it as, you know, you're helping people, number one, you're helping them Absolutely. by creating these facilities. And you're also, um, it's overall, it is, I, I really like it on the passive side too, of just being able to invest passively into something like this and growing it over time. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned to you this before on a, on a, on a previous call, like we, we set up infinite banking policies or bank on yourself type whole life policies. So a lot of our clients actually leverage their insurance policies to, fund, to, to invest in passive deals. So for example, they'll have, you know, $50,000 in a whole life policy, borrow against it, invest in a fund like yours or other funds, primarily real estate funds, commercial properties, uh, things that could earn them higher rates of return, again, than investing in the stock market. But this year, when they do it, they have their, their they continue to grow their money in the whole life policies, and they can take advantage of deals pa as passive investors without having to put in any work at all. They would just put up the capital and agree to the terms, of course, and with their knowledge and 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 assistance of with their certified public accountant and their lawyer on board and everybody, all the transparency and disclosures there. But they would be able to invest in those deals. So, what else besides everything we talked about? What else do you want to share about this interesting um, industry? Yeah, I would tell a lot of people that this is a very underrated industry. Um, like, for instance, our syndication, uh, we we essentially want to set the standard and the goal. Like any of our operators, we like to bring them in prior to them signing the lease agreement and while we're like under contract with the property mm -hmm. and have them come in, tour the property, make any suggestions of what they would want, if they need any type of renovations done, if they prefer something different than what the current property has we try to tailor to our operators to make sure that their success is bound to happen because essentially that's going to affect us, right? If they're not successful, we won't be successful. So we want all of our operators to not only have the best homes to provide the best care for the residents that are moving into any of the homes that we purchase, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that they'll be operating out of. So uh, it, it's definitely for people who haven't thought about this industry or are considering about this industry. A lot of people are like, well, with the pandemic, is it worth getting into right now? The answer is yes, absolutely. The demand is insane right now because you have two things happening. You have families who have someone affected by COVID, right? They have the virus and they're sick <laughs> and they're going to be going somewhere where all the residents are COVID positive, right? And then you have the other side of it where they either were in a place and someone did get COVID and now they're fearful. Mm -hmm. So they're going to move them out because they have to. And so like my home, I've been very fortunate and very blessed. Nobody's gotten it. Um, most of my residents have had their vaccinations done already. Um, and so for anyone that moves from another place that has COVID positive, they'll be coming to places where there's negative COVID, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so there's two things happening here. I mean, there's demand on both ends for mm -hmm. anybody that's like, I have care homeowners who 
want to just lease from us specifically to start a COVID positive home because they know how many people have it and that need somewhere to go, right? Mm -hmm. They're getting discharged from the hospitals. Mm -hmm. The families don't want to take them home. Mm-hmm. So they're like, where can we take them where they're positive, right? And hopefully they get better there and they no longer have it and they build up an immune system or uh, herd immunity, right? And so that, that's kind of what's happening right now. I mean, uh, a lot of these bigger big box facilities, unfortunately, they don't know what to do because mm-hmm. they're like, do we take someone and run the risk of mm-hmm. infecting who we do currently have or not, you know, mm-hmm. so they haven't been really taking any admissions. Whereas these us smaller care homes were like, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. You know? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're starting to get a lot more market share due to, due to this pandemic right now. So I would say for a lot of people wanting to get in this industry, I say right now is definitely the time to do it. There's a lot of demand right now, and there's going to continue being a lot of demand in the near future. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I I'm with you. I see the demand increasing, and we're gonna need to to fill in this, uh, the demand as the supply, um, increases. Um, now, how? So just to kind of recap, you help people two different ways, right? One way you help people is through your course and through your mentoring of if, if they wanted to start their own assisted uh, living home, and then the other way is through the syndication. So if somebody didn't want to do any of the work but they want to just invest in this, you can help them with that too, right? Absolutely. And that was kind of what really sparked it was because a lot of people would always ask me, how can I do this passively? How can Mm -hmm. I get involved passively? How can I run my home without having to be there? Mm -hmm. In most cases, you're going to have to show up. That's, you know, a minimum (laughs) of 20 hours a week. Yeah. Uh, You know, and some people are just thinking, oh, well, I I can't do that. You know, like you said, someone has an engineer job or they got a full on uh, full time job or they got other businesses that they got going on but they see the trend they see the demand they see the need and they want to really get involved somehow uh and so that's where the syndication comes into play and i provide that option for people who are like i really want to invest i really want to help create not only really great homes and uh, environments for uh, the most vulnerable population that we currently have so yeah that's the route that they choose and they don't necessarily want to have to just jump into operating a care home themselves and then you have other people who are on the other end, right? And then not only that, but we offer properties to people who uh, have some form of experience, right, in healthcare or business who have all, we bet each of our uh, operators where, you know, we make sure that they have enough cash reserves to cover expenses for three months, uh, you know, and we also make sure that they have great tax returns and just like a bank, right? We qualify them and we make sure we, we request all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, even for operators that are looking to expand, this is another great way for them to do so through our syndications. Perfect. What are some, I guess, what are some um, kind of to get to know you better? What are some books you're reading that help you in in this space? Right now, I actually just finished this book right here. Um, It is called Winning the War in Your Mind. (laughs) by Greg mm-hmm. Rochelle. It's more of a spiritual book. Mm-hmm. I'm, like I said, I'm a, a man of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just started Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends, mm-hmm. and forget what the title is exactly, but mm-hmm. I think you guys all know that one is a pretty popular one. For sure. Um, my, my ultimate favorite book that I have recently, uh, well, not recently, it's been a minute since I read it. It was probably sometime last year, was Shoe Dog. Um, that one was definitely my favorite. It was the founder of Nike. Um, and there's a lot of cool lessons that 
he talks about in that book and things that he struggled with. Uh, another one that I really love, it's an OG one, is Rich Dad Poor Dad. That mm-hmm. one's oh, yeah, always sure. uh, a really great one. Um, I have quite a bit of books that I've actually read. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see what else I got back here. Uh, the Power of Habit, that one is another really good one by Charles Duhigg. I don't okay. know if you've read that one. That no. one's a great one. Um, I got a bunch of books back here, but right now I'm currently reading Dale Carnegie's book, um, How to Win Friends or I think that's, I don't know if you know the title. Yeah, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And Influence People. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that one I'm enjoying so far. I started that one today. Um, I finished the other one yesterday, winning the award. I like the one, you know, it all just varies. Um, I think I struggled a lot in the beginning of my business, uh, mentally and spiritually and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reading that book really reminds me of like the trials that I went through. And mm-hmm. so for anyone that's starting out in business right now and they're struggling mentally and emotionally, reading a book like that really helps you change your perspective on things that are going on. You know, and I'm a huge believer in uh, what Ed Milet always says, things happen for you, not to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I truly believe that there's a lot of things that in hindsight that happened to me that I believe happened for me mm-hmm. and have really encouraged me and gave me the faith and the willingness to keep pushing forward and not giving up. And so that is what I would tell any person. And like my podcast is God made called the God made podcast. Cause I truly believe I'm God made. Mm-hmm. I'm not self-made in mm-hmm. any way. Mm-hmm. I believe that it, whether that's someone believing in the universe or whatever uh, to me, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason and no matter if it's good or bad. And if it's bad, there's good in there because you're, you're growing from that. You're whatever you're struggling with or whatever adversity you're facing, there's a lot of lessons that are very valuable in that. And no one will take that away from you. No matter what happens, if your world comes crashing down, you'll be able to rebuild yourself because of all the adversity uh, and issues that you had gone through prior. So Mm -hmm. yeah, man, that's a, really what I would tell a lot of people. Yeah. We could spend another hour just talking about the subject. I'm also <laughs> a man of faith and, you know, I, I, I definitely believe in everything you're saying. I think everything is written for us. Like, you know, if time, every second of our life is already written for us, whether good or bad, like you said, and has a specific reason for you, you know, so you yep. can see the optimistic side to it. Failures and especially in entrepreneurship, failures are only one step closer to success. That's all it means. Yeah. And I, I truly believe like uh, that, I wouldn't be where I'm at without God and without Mm -hmm. just creating those good habits of reading, of taking care of your mind and your body and feeding yourself the right things, right? Reading the right books, listening to the right podcasts, educating yourself, Mm -hmm. working out, eating the right foods, uh, doing the right things that you need to do to continue to set yourself up. And even if you, you're not sensing any success right now, but you're doing all these great habits, that's preparing you for when those great opportunities come your way, mm-hmm. uh, you'll just naturally fall into them and mm-hmm. you'll be already prepared mentally, physically, and emotionally and everything. And mm-hmm. that's why like, even now it's like continuing doing those great habits, even if opportunities and things are happening for you, mm-hmm. just continue doing those habits, you know, don't stop doing the things that got you where you were. Mm -hmm. you know, and I think a lot of people as entrepreneurs, I think a lot of, I'm still a young entrepreneur. I'm still a young guy, but I truly see the people that kind of become stagnant Mm -hmm. um, and that becomes their downfall uh, overall in the long term. So 
Uh, just don't allow yourself to become stagnant. Continue pushing yourself, continuing getting out of your comfort zone. Like for instance, the syndication thing, mm-hmm. uh, it definitely got me way out of my comfort zone. I'm mm-hmm. just learning on the fly. Mm-hmm. You know, my partners, I, I have great partners. And this is another thing I would say is get people that make you level up. Like genuinely, like I mean that. Get people who expect, like set higher standards than you mm-hmm. already have and make them like force you to get up there, mm-hmm. you know? And these two partners I have, they're like that, you know? Um, we've had to have those conversations like, hey, I feel like we're lagging here or you're not mm-hmm. doing enough here or so on and so forth. And that's just like, oh crap, you know, I need to, I need to step it up. I need to do more. I need to become, you know? And so that's, start- and they're older than me. They're about 10 to 12 years older than me. So mm-hmm they're not much older, but I'm learning a lot from them. And I'm learning that, you know what, like in order for us to build something great, we're going to have to continue pushing each other um, and continuing to envision what it is exactly we want out of everything. And yeah, man, it's uh, that's what I would recommend a lot of people do. Um, and like I said, just create those good habits for a long time there. I, it's not like anything was happening for me, essentially. I mean, things were growing, um, but it wasn't like these other opportunities were coming my way. Um, but I just continue to just do the habits that I do every day. And mm-hmm. yeah, here we are. So nice, man. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on. Absolutely, um, how can listeners connect? With you? Yeah, um, uh, you can find me at Serge Lupescu. It's S-E-R-G-L-U-P-E-S-C-U. Uh, you can find me on Instagram with that name, YouTube. Uh, and then like he, you said, uh, my Legion Assisted Living Academy, you can just Google that, you'll find that. Um, and then also Legion Assisted Living Advisors. That's like where my documentation and mentoring is. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah. So if anybody ever chooses to want to do anything with the syndication or invest, they can just reach me at Legion Assisted Living Academy at gmail.com. So it's okay. kind of where I try to keep everything. And I'll be sure to add all the links in this way they can just click cool. on it and go right to uh, connect with you. Um, Serge, awesome. I really appreciate you having, uh, being on our show. Uh, and I look forward yeah, to reconnecting you, you soon. Yeah, you too, man. Looking forward to it. Thank you. All right, later, guys. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.